I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hey, everybody. It's 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on a weekday. That must mean it's Chasing Justice time. That's right. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. So we have so much... How many times can we say there's so much going on, so much going on? It is. We are in a world of change right now. I know recently I I talked about this new America uh, that we have, the birth of America with a K, right? Because it's a different world. I see a lot of other people are now saying the same kinds of things. They're talking about a lot of the things that we talk about here on Chasing Justice all the time. Some changes that have gone on, though, some, some social... Uh, cultural, political things that I've been, you know, looking through and watching the news and reading the papers and things that I think we need to comment on here, here on Chasing Justice. So let's talk about political flip-flops. Well, a couple of interesting things have come up. Bill Clinton is in the news. If you look around, you'll see Bill Clinton. He said something interesting about Ukraine and the problems they're having, which can be certainly connected to the concerns we have here in America of our Second Amendment rights. Right. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, a state representative in North Carolina, Tricia Coltham. I think I'm saying her name correctly. She's a Democrat or at least um, she was a Democrat and she has decided to move over to the Republican Party. Now, hopefully this is a 100 percent deal. Now, what that means is that if she moves over as a Republican, the legislature in North Carolina will have a veto proof uh, legislature. So therefore, it's uh, conservative, except for the governor. The governor is a liberal, and he certainly vetoes a lot of the bills that they come up with there. Now with a veto-proof legislature, they can simply simply get their agenda through without having to worry about a veto from the governor. So that's a pretty good thing. Now we see that a lot of times. I remember when Ronald Reagan became president, and he really turned the country around. He really saved our nation, made us a power in the world. Once again, we took our rightful place as leader of the world, and we saw lots and lots of people switch parties to be on the winning side. I think there was a lot of probably blue dog Democrats. I think that's what they're called. They're more conservative Democrats. They're not really progressive super liberals. Uh, they, They have a tendency to go both ways on some topics, but they're more conservative than they are liberal. And when Reagan was the president, they saw what he was doing. They said, hey, that's probably a better way to go, and they switched parties. Now, we will see that from time to time the other way as well. People go from Republican to Democrat. Uh, But, you know, it happens. Here in New Jersey, we had a a Democrat switch to Republican, and it turns out he's a pretty good guy in South Jersey. So he's got his head on straight, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But this Trisha Coltham, I guess they said one of the most recent things she did is they had some kind of vote on gun, gun control or something in North Carolina. And she decided to, as a Democrat, not show up for the vote. And apparently when you're not there, you're not counted as part of the number that they need to pass something. And therefore, the Republicans were able to to uh, pass the bill that they wanted to pass. Or I'm pretty sure that's the idea. But she's decided now to join the ranks of the Republicans. And maybe people are having enough of this, of these policies, right? Of these, these left-wing policies are not good anywhere. You know, you see they damage people, they hurt people's lives, they affect people negatively because while they have great while they have great desire to do good for people, 
our friends on the left, they really don't understand human nature or they disregard it. Or if they think they just say different words or say different things to people, people will behave differently than they normally would. And that's not real. And that's a big problem with our friends on the left. They, they don't live in the real world. They live in this, this make-believe world where, you know, everything is, uh, is rainbows and, and, uh, and uh, unicorns and everybody's happy and everything's perfect. And if we would just leave people alone, everybody would be great. And that's not how, how people work. Um, human beings are very intricate creatures. And we have to make sure that everyone's voice should be heard, for sure. Everyone has a right to voice their opinion. And we should listen to everyone's point of view and then decide what is real and what is best. And that's one of the problems we have today is that we really can't have a conversation. Uh, there's no conversations. So, and, and along that line, interesting, there's a friend of mine, uh, Scott Benedetti. Now, Scott is is a brilliant uh, man. Uh, he's, he's a business guy, brilliant guy. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. But Scott and I are diametrically opposed politically. Uh, Scott is a... Uh, liberal, very liberal person. Uh, I am more conservative, okay? Um, but recently, Scott and I have had been able to engage in conversations where we actually listen to each other. It is so refreshing. I was telling my wife, Kathleen, uh, I found these mushrooms growing in my backyard. This is a little off story here. I found these mushrooms growing in my backyard. Now, I've seen mushrooms grow in my backyard before. So normally, when I'm out there cleaning up the yard or whatever, I just knock the mushrooms down and throw them away. I don't want the dog eating them or, you know, anything like that, because some of them can be poisonous. Well, these were the strangest looking little tan and gray mushrooms with all these little pockets all over them and stuff. They, they looked pretty neat, but I just assumed they were some other kind. I'm not a mushroom aficionado. I don't know much about it. I like mushrooms on my hamburger and I like portobellos, but I don't know these, all these other varieties. But after I found about 15 of them and knocked them down. I said, this got to be something. And I had taken down a large poplar tree, a hybrid poplar. Thing was about 60 feet tall. And we took it down, I don't know, two years ago. And the stump is still in my yard. I'm trying to get rid of the stump, but the stump is still in my yard. Well, I noticed that all of these mushrooms were growing around the stump of the tree. Uh, not right up against the wood, but maybe a foot or two out all the way around this tree. And I said, you know what? They're so unique looking. I should probably find out what they are because that's the way I am. I'm inquisitive. I want to know about things. And after getting rid of the first group of them I found in another part of the yard, uh, I said, you know what? Let me see what, what goes on here with these. And I went in and I identified them and I think they're called moral mushrooms, M-O-R-E-L, moral mushrooms. But I wasn't sure. So I, I took a picture of them and I put it out on social media and say, hey, anybody know what these are? And I had a lot of people tell me, yeah, those are a delicacy. Uh, they're very expensive, they're hard to find, and they usually grow around stumps of dead trees. Imagine that, that's exactly where I found them. In the other part of my yard where I found them, uh, I'm saying, gee, there's no stump of a dead, and I realized a couple of years earlier, I had cut down an old apple tree. You just couldn't see the stump anymore, and that's where these were growing. So very interesting uh, how life finds a way, right? Isn't that what they said in uh, Jurassic Park? Life will find a way. Um, so anyway, so long part of my story is, uh, I put out on social media, Hey, anybody know what these are? I think they're moral mushrooms. Somebody said, yeah, they are. They're delicious. You can eat them. I said, well, I'm not going to eat them. Uh, does anybody want them? And my friend Scott says, Hey, I love those kind of mushrooms. Uh, I would like that. So I said, sure, I'll bring them right to your house and give them to you. Cause I don't want to waste them. If they're good, they're good. I found about 20 of them. Um, so I brought them over to his house 
and uh, said, hey, here you go. Here's the mushrooms. I'm glad you like them. He identified them. He's like, yeah, I'm positive. That's what they are. They're safe to eat. They're good. And he goes, here, I got something for you. He goes, I see you You post on social media once in a while. You happen to like uh, bourbon and whiskey, don't you, Lieutenant Joe? And I said, actually, I do. It's one of my favorite uh, adult beverages would be a bourbon or a whiskey. And he says, here, uh, I have this bottle of Balvini double cask. Uh, Balvini is a uh, single malt scotch whiskey. Really, really outstanding um, scotch whiskey if you like such things. And this was a double cask. They finished it in oak cast and then in a, I think, a, uh, some kind of black cherry oak. So two different kind of cask they finish it off in. Gave it a unique flavor. But he gave it to me. I said, Scott, what's this for? You don't have to give me anything for the mushrooms. He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, I don't drink uh, whiskey. And um, in all honesty, I got this as a gift. And it's just going to sit on my shelf forever. So I know you like it. You take it. Right? And then we had a nice conversation. And I realized when I left, this guy and I get along really well. We have a good laugh together. We enjoy things together. And we can have a conversation about topics that we totally disagree on. Like I said, he's very liberal. I'm more conservative. And we don't have screaming fights. We don't call each other names. We don't try and win the argument for all argument's sake. He's actually said to me, you know, I, I didn't think about your point of view. But now that I've considered it, uh, I think you might be right on this, that, or the other thing. Similarly, I have listened to his points of view and said, you know, I think you might be right about that. And we've both grown in the conversation. You see, we learn. If our country could do that, if we could learn to sit down and talk about things instead of immediately, uh, you know, attacking to win. And I got to admit, most of that is our friends on the left. You know, if, you, if they can't win the argument, they'll attack you. They start calling you names. You know, they throw it, oh, you're this, you're that. You hate these people. You hate, they don't have no idea whether who hates anybody. They just assume it immediately. And that's part of some of the things in my pages of outrages today that we're going to talk about. All right, so Trisha Cotham changed parties. That's good. The other politician uh, in, in the news I said is Bill Clinton. And what's interesting about what Bill Clinton said, former president, is if we look at his, his presidency, we know that he was a, um, a liberal kind of guy. Um, he had all kinds of affairs. He never got indicted. He paid off uh, people to keep their mouth shut the people he had sex with in different places. He paid them off. He never got indicted for that, though, did he? No, I don't think he ever did. And I don't think uh, his big mouth wife, Hillary, had anything to say about that, uh, except other than it was a right-wing conspiracy until he admitted it all, right? So oh, I'm digressing, and I don't mean to digress. I'm just making a point, if you know what I mean. But Bill Clinton was recently interviewed, uh, I think it was a... Um, a TV show. It was, it was a foreign TV show, I think, I believe. I, I can't give you the specifics of who that was, but they're interviewing him and they're asking him about Ukraine because he was the president at the time that convinced uh, Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons, right? And part of that deal, and a lot of people don't remember that, was that the concern were there were too many nuclear weapons. We've got to get rid of nuclear weapons. And Ukraine had about 350 or 1,000 nuclear warheads, right? They were one of the biggest... Um, armed nations after the breakdown of the Soviet Union. They had all those weapons there, right? So they kept them. Uh, and the control, their concern was that Russia would attack Crimea. Sound familiar? Or that some of these other countries may attack Ukraine. And Bill Clinton was the person who brokered the deal that says, listen, uh, you give up your nuclear weapons, turn them over, get rid of them. And Russia agrees not to invade your borders, and these other states around you agree not to attack you, and they will all protect you and make sure that Ukraine is safe. 
and the president and the people of Ukraine uh, believed in that. And they gave up their nuclear weapons. So this conversation Bill Clinton was having with this, uh, whoever the, the uh, host of the, of the program was, was, how do you feel about what's going on now? And he says, actually, uh, I feel pretty bad about it. Um, at the time, you know, we convinced Ukraine to do that. And, you know, it's funny, they, if they still had their weapons, they probably would not have been invaded. Russia probably would have held back. Uh, it would have not happened at all. And the point of the story is that isn't that similar to what we say here in America about our Second Amendment right? right? The idea that, you know, as a citizen, you have a right to be armed, not just to hunt a deer, as uh, our friend uh, Governor Cuomo used to say. Um, it's not there for hunting deer. It's there to protect you from an overwhelming government that's tyrannical and wants to attack you. How realistic that is, I don't know. Joe Biden told us it's not. You've got to have F-16s to fight the government. But the bottom line is... That was Bill Clinton. He was making that argument for taking away people's weapons and look what happens to them when you make them defenseless. Okay, so that make you defenseless. Well, what happens to individual citizens when you take away the ability of the police to protect them, of the people to protect themselves? Criminals, no matter how nice you talk to them, no matter what you call them, no matter what you say, no matter how much you coddle them, they'll still come out and kill and rape you. So that doesn't really help you very much to give up all your weapons. So Bill Clinton made that argument, and I don't think he realized the argument he was making. On the other hand, we see again the governor of Florida, who, you know, there's a lot of people attacking this guy now because, you know, you're a Trump supporter and you don't want DeSantis sneaking along. DeSantis is an excellent governor. I think he's a decent person. I think he's more, well, Jimmy the Contrarian from the neighborhood, he, he says that he thinks he's more in the line of the Bush family, that he's more of a... A, a weaker Republican. I don't know. He seems to be pretty good uh, in everything that he does and says. And just as a personal aside here, I don't really care for Trump attacking DeSantis. Uh, he's the heir apparent after Trump. And if, if we weaken our own people, you know, what did Ronaldus Magnus say? Uh, the the, the, uh, the 11th commandment, never, a Republican should never attack another Republican. We can make our points without attacking each other. And I don't like that Trump does that. Other than that, uh, I think DeSantis is actually a pretty good person. Now, he could fool all of us, but I see how he's done his job. See, again, we don't talk about the personality as much as we look at what have they actually done? What are their policies? How do they actually govern? And he's governed Florida pretty well. And along this line of Bill Clinton, Second Amendment, disarming people, making people weak, Florida has the standard ground law, right? You don't, have to, you don't have to run and hide when somebody tries to attack you or allowed to protect yourself. And number two, he just signed the right for the citizens of Florida to carry a concealed weapon without having to get a permit. Can you imagine that? You're allowed to defend yourself out in public too. Now, the question that comes up is, okay, everybody's going to run around. I think 26 states now. 26 states, the majority of our states in our union now have concealed carry uh, allowances for their citizens. You're allowed to carry without getting a permit, or maybe you have to get a permit, but you can get it. Uh, even in New Jersey, citizens are allowed to get a permit to carry now a concealed weapon. The argument would be, would that make us safer? Or would people who you know don't have a lot of experience with weapons start shooting each other? And I think you're probably going to have some of that. I think you're going to have uh, some idiots that go out, have too much to drink, get in a bar fight, and instead of throwing a punch, they're going to throw around, right? Uh, I think that's probably going to happen. But I also think 
that people are carrying concealed are going to protect themselves from robbers, rapers, and murderers um, many, many more times than you'll have an idiot do something stupid. Because most gun people that I know, most people that have weapons, uh, are, are very responsible. They take lessons, they know how to carry, they know how to shoot, they don't take it lightly, they treat it seriously. Granted, some people do. Some people are stupid. We all know that. But the majority, the overwhelming majority, are pretty good about their concealed carry. They take it serious and they're responsible. Uh, for me personally, uh, many years ago, uh, because I was a police officer in New Jersey, the idea of somebody carrying a gun was a little disturbing to everyone. You know, you stop somebody, they got a gun, they're a bad guy or a bad girl, right? When I went to Florida uh, on vacation one time, there had been a story about a, uh, a Florida police officer or a Florida highway patrol trooper was on the side of the road with some, some bad people. And the you know, bad people had weapons and the trooper or the cop was trying to control them all. And a citizen pulled up a concealed carry person and said, hey, officer, I'm here, I'm armed, let me help you. And he helped him. And he helped him control the situation and uh, take everyone into custody. And I said to some cops down there, how do you feel knowing these citizens are all running around with guns? He goes, well, uh, it's a normal part of life here. So we're, we're kind of used to it. And that incident in the story where a citizen helped, that happens more times than you can imagine. And I was like, wow, it's cultural. I guess it's cultural, you know, if ever, you think everyone grows up with the idea you, you can have a weapon and you're responsible, uh, then you use it for good. You know, some people are always going to be evil and use them for, for bad. But in that case, uh, it's pretty good. So those are, that's our political that's our political roundup um, a little bit. I, we, we saw our president, President Biden, uh, put his ice cream cone down uh, to make some comments about uh, what do they think about President Trump being indicted. And he really just chuckled and laughed. And we hear all of these pundits and these idiots on these TV shows laughing hysterically. Oh, it's so funny. Not realizing that they have endangered their own future by doing this. Um, because eventually some Republican somewhere is going to have the guts and the cojones to go, hey, you know what? Uh, the Biden family is corrupt. We're going to indict them here in our state because we know what they've done. And we're going to indict them. And, uh, and that'll be that. We're going to go indict uh, Chuck Schumer. We're going to go indict uh, this one or that one. And Nancy Pelosi. We're going to investigate her and, and, you know, subpoena all her records and, and find out where she got all her money from. Right. Somebody eventually might do a thing like that. And that's what we're in now. It's the Wild West of politics now. We are a third world country. We don't have a judicial system. Uh, we have a, a, a weaponized system of justice where if you're in charge, you can use the system to go after and get people, just like they do in communist countries. Wow, I guess I'm talking pretty fast today, have, aren't I? I'm a little wound up today. I'm just happy to be here, and you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's good to talk about these things. So I'm gonna try. Let me try and calm down for a minute. Let me take a deep breath. Let's relax here a little bit. Okay, I think we're on a more even keel now. I can't help it. I get worked up about things. I'm passionate about things. And so that's our that's most of our, our political roundup. There might be something else here in the pages of outrages, but but we'll see. Um, so there's a big controversy going on. And again, this is not political, really, but it involves the White House. Now, recently, the LSU uh, women's basketball team uh, won the national championship and they uh, they beat Iowa. And for days in the paper, it was uh, it was it was blown up on the news. These uh, two each team had a superstar. Uh, and they were both uh, very, very talented young women. They were really good. And then there was controversies about things they were saying to each other and who should say it and who shouldn't say it. And then, uh, you know, normally it's, it's been practiced forever 
that um, when a national champion arrives in, in any sport or whatever, uh, the NFL, hockey, basketball, whether it's college or whatever, that team is invited to go to the White House. Right? It's, it's a pretty big privilege. You want a national champion? Go see the president and the first lady and, and, and walk around, see what's going on. Well, Jill Biden, um, she says, hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, LSU won. That's great. But maybe we should invite both teams, right? Maybe we should invite both teams because they both played really, really well. You know, two teams of women, highly, highly uh, skilled uh, women athletes. And, you know, it's the women's month. Maybe we should invite both teams. Now, I don't agree with the Bidens on their political policies. You know that. I said, but here... Jill Biden said, you know, she's trying to think of, uh, you know, okay, so they, they both made it to the championship. Maybe we should invite both of them. Now, that is completely different precedent that has ever been done before. And, of course, um, a lot of people took offense to that. Hey, why would the losing team get to go do something that the winning team traditionally has always gotten to do? And the loser's a loser. You lost. All I did hear one time, I said, you make it to the Super Bowl, even if you lose, you made it to the Super Bowl, right? You were the best in your league. But people don't see that. You know, if, if you don't finish first, you finish last is basically the, the thought. So Jill Biden comes out and she says, yeah, I think for sportsmanship, I thought it would be a good idea. Well, of course, it gets turned into the national conversation that we have to have about every single thing that goes on in our country. Racism. It immediately turns into racism um, because apparently the Iowa team is predominantly uh, white females and the LSU team was predominantly black females. So the, the people that are out there in the world trying to find racism in everything, digging it up wherever they can find it, immediately come out and say, oh, they're only inviting both teams because, uh, uh, because the other team is white, and that's why they want to bring them. They don't want to have the black team by themselves there. I, I, you know, I don't agree with the Bidens a lot, uh, but I really don't think that that's what Jill Biden was doing. I really don't think. I think she wasn't thinking clearly. She wasn't paying attention to precedent. Because we know our friends on the left don't pay attention to precedent. They don't pay attention to tradition. So I think she was maybe just trying to, uh, you know, say, hey, we could do this. And then you know, we bring both teams. Well, it, it was offensive to, to the other team. But what I don't like is the, the LSU player, very talented young woman, uh, Angel Reese, I think is her name. Uh, she came out and, and she said, basically, uh, you know, this is racism. It's racism by inviting the other team. We're the champions. Why would you invite the other team? And I guess you can make that argument if you see everything under those lenses, that everything is racist, everyone is racist, every institution is racist. I suppose if you see that, uh, that would be something you, you could say. Is there legitimacy to it? That's what I'm saying. Is that, a, is that a something that's uniting or is that something that is dividing us further, right? Are we trying to unite people or are we trying to divide people? I think a response that she could have had, and I'm not telling her what to say. She's a you know grown adult. She can make her own comments. But I think she could have said something like, listen, I understand that's sportsmanship, but you know what? I think the tradition of the champion going to the White House is more important. Um, yes, the other team was great. They worked really hard. They got to the championship. And they're excellent young women, too. But we won the championship, and we should get our moment in the sun, right? She could have said that, but instead she goes, it's racist, it's racist. If it was the other way around uh, and we lost, uh, they wouldn't invite us. How do you know? How do you know what's in somebody's mind? That's, and that's the part I want to talk about. We suppose, we suppose all these things about each other, don't we? Because we believe it in our heart that everybody is one way or another. 
that when we see it, we immediately go to, oh, they're doing this. They're doing it for this reason, because we think that. Is that really how the world works? I mean, is it just because you suppose something, does that mean that's how it is? What if somebody supposes things about you that may not be true? Why should you have to defend yourself from something that's not true just because someone supposes you might be a certain way? And that's what I think part of the problem is here. Racism is an ugly, horrible, terrible thing. And we should eradicate it in every opportunity. And I think one of those opportunities is that we don't bring it up when we don't know for sure that it's because of racism. This was just a thing. I think Jill Biden was being dopey and she wasn't paying attention to tradition. I don't think she's sitting there saying, well, uh, we, we got to invite the white team, too, so because we really like them better. I don't really think that's what the woman was thinking. I can't imagine anybody thinking a thing like that, you know. Um, but this is what I see as part of the problem is how, how are we ever going to get past this and work together as a single functioning America where we all have value, where we all respect each other based on what we do, not on, uh, on what we look like. And that's really my point here. Uh, we, we add to the controversy, we stir things up when, when we suppose and we make accusations about people based on our assumptions instead of knowing the fact. Now, if Jill Biden had said something that was recorded where she said something like that, and that's why she wants that Iowa team to come, then I'd say, yeah, that's racist. And that would be terrible. But I don't know that that's what's really in her heart. I can't suppose why she said it other than what she said she said it for. She figured it would be in sportsmanship. It's Women's Month, right? Let's have all the women here. It's a great, great uh, achievement for all of those young women on both teams, right? But I get it. Um, tradition says the champion goes, and I would say that's what we should stick to. Um, it's very nice that, that the, the groups are good. They had their, their moments uh, in the sun on TV and everybody watching and cheering for them. But the champion gets the champion's ring. We don't all get a trophy, right? Isn't that, isn't that what people say? How come everyone gets a trophy? Well, you don't. If you didn't win, you don't get the trophy. You don't get to go to the White House. Simple as that. And I think that's probably um, going to probably blow over sooner rather than later. Um, but the young lady, uh, Angel Reese, says, yeah, we don't have to go to the White House. We're going to go see Barack and Michelle instead. I don't think that helps the conversation. I don't think that helps the conversation about race because it supposes uh, one thing over another. And I don't think that brings us together. All right, so listen, um, Healthy Cell. I'm going to tell you about that real quick. I tell you all about Healthy Cell a lot. I want to get the guys in the neighborhood in here. Bill called me the other day, and he says, hey, listen, uh, I know you want, to, you want to talk about the, uh, you know, the focus factor. I really think it is helping me, um, but I don't want to sound like I'm doing a commercial. I said, Bill, you're not doing a commercial. I asked you to try something to see, see if it would help you, and if it's helping you, just tell everybody that helps you. So he's going to be on to, to give us his side of the story. Uh, but I can tell you the uh, immune boost, uh, I'm taking that, Miss Kathy takes that, and I find it to be a great part of my everyday health routine, right? I take my healthy cell. I like it I like it right out of the little packet. I, I drink it right down. It's like a raspberry-ish flavor, I guess, or blackberry. I like it that way. Other people put it on ice cream. They put it on, you know, on yogurt. They put it in water. You can take it any way you want. What's in it is what's good for you. So healthy cell. Take a look at that. I will be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice.
Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? CofixRx took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of CofixRx nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. Working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to our afternoon time together. And, and I do want to thank all of you that are out there. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to increase my content, right, to connect with you more. And I do appreciate the emails, uh, the, the tweets, and, and all the other things. And this is the seventh anniversary of America Out Loud. And I think, you know, as, as people who listen to the station, as people who appreciate the station, uh, to understand that it is a, a, a powerhouse of free speech, that we, we need to be very grateful that we have this platform to either speak on like I do or to listen and learn uh, from each other because it is an amazingly powerful tool, speech. I've talked about speech being the linchpin of our freedoms. Uh, if you shut down speech, you shut down every other uh, right that we have. Um, so I just wanna thank the great Malcolm Out Loud and the entire team at America Out Loud uh, for giving me this opportunity to be here, to be here for many years now. I think this is my fifth or sixth year I've been on the network. Uh, and I want to thank all of you, all of you who list, started listening to Lieutenant Joe uh, early on and who continue to you know tune in every day and go through some things with me, right? Try and figure some stuff out, talk about things and be together. And I do appreciate you all being out there. We're lucky that we have this platform, right? We're lucky that we have this platform where we can hear points of view that are not... Uh, biased, that are not uh, controlled, right? Never once has Malcolm or anybody in the station called me up and say, hey, don't say that or don't say, matter of fact, the opposite. They, they encourage me 
to further uh, express my beliefs and my views and to uh, come up with new things that I want to talk about all the time. It's really a wonderful, wonderful experience. And that is why I stick with my pages of outrages, which we will get back to now. Okay? So we covered a couple things that I thought were good. I thought it was funny. Uh, if you watch the news uh, all over the place last night in social media and everything, um, even today, I'm still seeing it today, there was at the arraignment of President Trump in New York. That was a pretty big deal. I mean, first time you've arraigned a president, an ex-president of the United States. But apparently there was a, uh, a courts officer there. And she's being referred to as the hot blonde court officer. Now, I don't know if that's disrespectful uh, to say the hot blonde. I mean, we reduce her down to the fact that she's an attractive blonde. Uh, or is that the natural way people look at things? All right, we, we've gotten so far away from the natural way that we look at, at people that you know we have to say, well, it's it's not right. And I agree, it's not right to to um, bring her down to the, her essence is just that she's an attractive uh, uh, female with blonde hair. I'm sure she's much much more than that. As a law enforcement officer, she has dedicated her life to something bigger than herself. She happens to be really good looking. I know how that feels. I know how Lieutenant Joe knows how that feels. You know, hey, look at that hot cop guy, right? And don't laugh out there, right? The pictures of me now don't do me any good. But this was all, all over social media. The hot blonde cop. Um, and I just find it funny that, you know, that's one of the things that people talk about. We're not supposed to talk about. You're not supposed to notice that she's an attractive woman. Right? You're supposed to forget about that. Uh, but And here it comes, though, when you actually see it. So I just thought that was interesting. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Uh, and she is an attractive woman, and I'm sure she's an excellent law enforcement officer, and I'm sure she's brilliant, and she's a decent person, and she's a, a good human being. She just happens to also be good looking. So I thought I'd mention the hot blonde. Now, another uh, thing that's come up recently. We talk about our rights. A right to freedom of religion. Now, what does that mean? Freedom of religion. That means you can believe any religion you want or no religion. Freedom of religion, freedom from religion, whatever you want. Our forefathers saw that the persecution that people had for their religious beliefs across all time of humanity was debilitating and painful and tragic. So one of the things they built into the Constitution, the basic laws of America, is that you have a right to worship as you see fit, to worship your deity or whatever it is you want to worship. Right? We have tree huggers, nature uh, worshipers, and we got people who uh, are devoted to the, uh, the Muslim faith. We got people who are the Jewish faith. We have people who are the Christian faith. And people have their faith. We have people out there, there's, there's schools that are allowing Satan clubs in their high schools because, hey, that's a legitimate religion. Well, I suppose it is a legitimate religion. Uh, you believe that Satan is the deity that you want to follow, the evil a deity who, who corrupts and does that. And then you think that's good. Uh, I think there's something probably psychologically wrong with you if you follow evil instead of good. I think our nature is to follow good. Uh, but hey, they allow Satan clubs now in schools and, and they're, they're fighting. The ACLU is fighting that these clubs have to be allowed to take place. Um, my question is, though, you know, the, the religions, the other religions that talk about love of one another, taking care of each other, uh, looking out for each other, um, if you do those things, you end up doing nice things. When you talk about the, you know, the Satan Club and uh, you know taking advantage of people, tricking people, using people, probably bad things are going to happen from devotees of such a, uh, a philosophy. I would think. 
So maybe maybe we need to think about that a little bit. But hey, it's freedom of religion, right? That's what, what, what we can do. Well, there's a woman in Oregon, and uh, her name is Jessica Bates. And see, I've tried to make it a habit now to make sure I get the names of the people I want to talk about. You know, they're in the news, so I, I want to bring that to you so you can go look it up. You can go see for yourself, right? So Jessica Bates, she wants, she got, I think she has five or seven children already. I think it was five. And she wants to adopt a set of twins, right? This is a good person who wants to adopt children who don't have a home. Um, my neighbor across the street, he's a doctor. His wife is a teacher. They have two of their own children. And I don't know, about two years ago, they said, hey, listen, uh, we're thinking of being like foster parents. We want to do something for good. We want to do good in the world. And we think if we can be a foster family, that would be a good thing. So I said, hey, that's wonderful. I support you in that. I think it's really great. Um, so they became foster parents of a, of a little boy. I think he was, I don't know, 17 months old when they got him, 18 months old. Little boy. He had been uh, mistreated by his mother, who was a drug addict. And apparently the kid got out of the house one day and he was walking on a highway. And that, that's how the mother lost the custody of him. But my neighbors got this young boy and they were taking care. Of, well, they decided to adopt him. They decided to adopt him and bring him into their family and have him be part of the family to give him a, a solid home. And I think that's an absolutely amazing, wonderful thing that these people did. And I find people who do that to be amazing, wonderful people. Miss Kathy was adopted, right? Her mother and father, uh, Ted, you know, I talk about Ted all the time, my father-in-law. You know, him and, uh, and my, my beloved mother-in-law, Beatrice, who's not with us anymore. But Ted and Bee, they fostered all kinds of little children. They had all these little babies at their house all the time. Uh, and they took care of them. They helped them to find good homes. They were great. But Kathleen was adopted. You know, they opened their hearts uh, to love and to family uh, and brought Kathy into their family. Their, Kathy's brother, Neil, who's also deceased at this point, unfortunately, uh, Neil was also adopted. So B and Ted went out of their way to open their hearts and bring these children into their family. And I'm very grateful that they did because I might not have, never have met the love of my life, uh, Kathleen. So people who do that, I think, have a capacity for love that is beyond the average person. You know, I remember when I was a little kid because we were talking about my neighbor over cocktails, Miss Kathy and I. And I remember... Um, we get these these solicitations for donations to all these different groups. Yeah. Kathy's got a heart of gold. She donates to tons and tons of groups of people uh, all across the country who needs help. You know, and that's what I said. I always said, if I was had the means to do good, I'll do as much good as I can possibly do uh, financially. You know, like Ralph Cramney said, if I got it, you can have it. Right. So I, I try and live by that. You know, do the right thing. Well, um, we get this thing from there's a. Um, an American, a Native American Indian uh, group in the, I think they're in North Carolina, not North Carolina, in uh, North Dakota. And they send us this stuff. And, you know, we've, we've sent them donations in the past, you know, because in my family, I've told you before, right? My grandmother, Hazel, um, she was, uh, her mother was Rosewater was her name. She was uh, an American Indian, Native American from Connecticut. Uh, so I have, I have Native American blood. Uh, flowing through my veins, right? Um, but I remember my mom and dad, we had me and my brother, my mother and father, and we had a nice family. Everybody loved each other. It was great. And they tried to adopt uh, a child from the same place in North Dakota, this uh, Native American uh, group. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out at the time. Um, 
But anyway, uh, these people who adopt, I think, are are wonderfully amazing people. And this mom in Oregon, her, her, her husband and their children, they wanted to adopt this twins, pair of twins, right? And uh, how wonderful, keeping the, keeping the two kids together. Uh, sometimes they get broken up in, in adoptions and, you know, if there's multiple children, they go to different places. But this family wants to keep the twins together. Fantastic, right? How do you not applaud that? That's such a good thing. Well, they had to go through the background screening, of course. You want to make sure who, who are you giving these children to, make sure they're good and decent people, uh, make sure they're not strange or have weird things. They want to use the children, abuse the children, right? Violence or sexual violence or whatever. So this family is filling out this stuff. And one of the things that Oregon says is that, listen, when it comes to gender affirming uh, care, you have to follow what we say is the right thing to do. Uh, what if the child came to you and says, you know, they wanted to be a transgender uh, girl or boy? You'd have to go with that. And would you give them the care? Would you take them for the hormone injections? Would you take them for the operations or whatever it is that they need? And this woman said, well, based on my religious beliefs, I couldn't do that. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't believe that that's the right thing to do. Now that she can do what she wants. She can have her beliefs. Right? You can disagree with her beliefs, but that's what she said. She can't do it because of religious belief. She doesn't think it's right. The state said, well, then you can't adopt these children because this is what we have adopted, that you will do these things uh, and you will participate in this fully and you will do these things uh, as we say you should. And now the woman is going to sue the state saying, listen, that is a, an abridgment of my, my religious freedom rights. You're, you're punishing me because of my religious beliefs, um, and I don't think it's right, and you're preventing us from bringing these children into our home. Now, nobody has said that the children have any uh, feelings or anything at all where they would want to be transgender. This is the state imposing its will that, hey, this is what we do now, and there's no arguing with it. And if your religion says you can't do that, well, then you can't participate. Do you see how this starts to happen? right? Your speech gets shut down. You are, your rights get shut down because the state says what's right and wrong. Now, would it be better that these children have a loving home or that we uh, restrict the parents based on their religious belief to the point that they can't take these children? Uh, I don't know. I'm asking you, what do you think about that? Go look up the story. Her name is uh, Jessica Bates and she's a mom from Oregon. But her religious beliefs, what's going to happen down the road when people say, uh, hey, listen, uh, you want a job, but here's the 42 things that you have to believe in. Uh, otherwise, and that the state says you have to believe in. If you don't, you can't have the job. Uh, you can't bury your parents in that graveyard because your religious beliefs say A, B, C, and D. Do you see how this starts to restrict your life and your rights and your ability to function in the world? We need to all take a deep breath and back up. We have these rights for a reason, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm not commenting either way on what, you know, what the woman needs to do or not to do, whether it's the right thing to do. You do what your child needs is, is my point of view, you know? Um, but that doesn't mean you just do what the state says. Maybe what the state says is not right. You have to be able to decide on your own. Every parent, and that's what this whole parents' rights thing is, is about in the schools, isn't it? Right? What, and your community should decide. Right? That's we, it's, it should be your community decision of, of what you think is appropriate. Uh, 
If a community gets together and they decide that A, B, and C, and D is appropriate for five-year-olds and six-year-olds, well, that's what they want to teach those kids. That's their community. They can make that decision. If this community over here uh, believes uh, D, E, F, and G is the right thing, and that's what they want, that's what they should be able to do. Right? We can't demand people follow um, what we think is right all the time. Again, it goes back to supposing, right? See what I'm saying? We're supposing that the reason you won't do that is because you hate. And if you hate, you can't be a parent. You can't. That's, that's a lot of supposition. Um, where is the tolerance? Where is the tolerance out there for people who believe differently than our modern progressive thinkers? Where's the people who are more traditional? Where's the respect for them? and respect for their points of view and respect for their desires. There doesn't seem to be any respect for that, isn't it? It's, it's, it has to all be washed away and you only do it this way. And that gives you no choices, right? No choices, that's not freedom. That's not liberty. That is much more control, controlled, restricted, tyrannical, when you only have to believe in one way. Do you see how all this goes down the slope and why our forefathers we're brilliant in coming up with this system, right? That we, we can all have different beliefs. We can all do different things, but we all have an opportunity to do different things. We don't all have to do the same thing, right? So that's, that's an interesting story with her. You see my, my pages of outrages here. Now, San Francisco, again, we're talking about crime running, running rampant. Crime is running rampant. Uh, crime is up in all of these different uh, places different states, different cities. It's really out of control in many places. Well, recently in San Francisco, and I told, I was there not too long ago. It's, the city itself is really in bad shape. Um, it, it's just, it's a shame to see all these homeless people living on the street. Not a shame because it looks ugly. It's a shame for those people that have to live in tents and, and, and live in the squalor that they live in and that the people in charge think that, well, that's good. They're allowed to do that. Sure, you might be allowed, but is it good for them? It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not safe. Well, they want to shoot drugs. Give them a place to shoot their drugs, and then they overdose and die. Is that good for them? It's not. We, you know, you got to think. You got to think like an adult. You got to. You got to open up your mind and go. Listen, people. Sure, people have a right to do drugs. Sure, that you believe that you should be able to do whatever you want. You do drugs, yeah. But you're also allowed, I, 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 I want to do murder. I want to do murder. I should be allowed to do murder. I want to do murder. How far do you go down the slippery slope of, of thinking like this? It's not good for those people to be homeless, living in the street, defecating on the street, urinating on the street, living amongst that, using drugs, robbing each other, robbing people going by. It is not good. And it's okay to say there's good and bad. And that is not good for those people. If we're compassionate, loving people, we should say, help the people who, who are okie-dokie and just need a hand. And that's a good thing to do through our, our religious facilities to, to provide finances and help for people. And through our government, there should be a welfare system for people who absolutely need some help. A hand up, not a handout. Um, and at the same time, if there are people there that have mental conditions, mental problems that prevent them from living a healthy life, that they can't make good decisions for themselves then there should be a way to get them the mental health that they need. And I don't think that means letting them live on, a, on the street in a tent, eating rats and whatever else they can find crawling around and hurting each other. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for us as a people to allow our, our fellow citizens to live like that. That's just my point of view. But anyway, in San Francisco, you talk about the out of control crime and you see 
the, the, the mess of that city. Well, recently there's a high-tech executive guy, uh, Bob Lee is his name. He started Cash App, one of these big apps where you can make payments and stuff. I might even have that on my phone, one of them. Um, he was stabbed to death at like 2 o'clock in the morning, murdered. And he's a healthy young guy. I guess he's in his 40s, maybe, late 40s. I don't have his age, but he was stabbed to death in San Francisco. Like, and the story that I read didn't have anything more about, you know, what was he doing at 2 o'clock in the morning? Was he coming out of a restaurant? Was he coming out of a club? Was he visiting a friend? Who attacked him? Um, but nobody's under arrest, and nobody probably will be under arrest. Uh, it's just, it's that kind of a world we're getting into. I mean, you go somewhere, and you can get hurt really bad, and maybe nobody cares. Uh, we, we see the squatters in Philadelphia. Another thing I saw, somebody goes into your home. Say, say one of your, your parents, your last surviving parent, passes away. And, you know, you have the funeral and this and that, and, uh, you know, you're going to clean out the house. You have to sell the house now. You're going to do whatever you do, but you don't get over there immediately, you know, whatever. And then you go over there and you find out there's people living in the house. They found out that uh, your mom or your father passed away. The house was empty and they moved their stuff in. Well, you'd think common sense would tell you to say, hey, this is my house. Get out. But we have created these laws that say, oh, well, once somebody has possession of a location, uh, they have a right to be there. This is crazy. This is one of those things that uh, promote me to president and uh, here's what we're going to do. Our legislation is going to go crazy here. You're not allowed to take over someone's property. Um, and in Philadelphia, apparently this is a really, really big problem. People are, are living in people's apartments. They won't go out. I read the, the situation. It could cost you $3,500 immediately to even start the process to get someone out of your property that you own. Um, then you have to pay... Uh, you have to pay, if you finally do are successful, it can cost you another couple couple thousand dollars to go through the court case. It can take a year or more to get them to get out of the place. If they destroy the place when they're in there, there's nothing you can do about it. You can go civilly, but they don't have anything. So you're not going to get nothing. Your place is going to get destroyed and you can't get, the, and the police, they're saying the police won't come and remove people. Even though Philadelphia has tried to come up with some, some laws to make it easier for people to file, to get squatters out. The police are busy. They're doing other stuff. They're trying to trying to survive in a crime-ridden city of Philadelphia now. So these people are stuck having other people live in their home. And I don't think you're allowed to turn the electric off, so you have to pay the electric bill. You're not allowed to turn the water off because people need water and, and electric to live, even though they've basically stolen your property. This has got to be one of the most stupid, confounding, nonsensical things I think I've ever heard. Uh, if you have, if you own a piece of property, uh, other than unless you had a lease, you signed a lease with a legitimate lease with somebody that they have a right to be in that property, uh, then they have a right to be in the property. But if they just decided to move in, you can't get them out. Uh, you should be able to go to the police and go, I want these people out. And if they don't want to leave, they should be dragged out of the house, put on the street and all their stuff thrown out the door. Now that sounds very harsh, Lieutenant Joe. It's very harsh. Think about it. This is my property. And you decide you're going to live there and I'm going to pay the bills? Who decided that? Where is it fair for me, the property owner, right? So these people have to go. And that's where they're going to have community, community uh, services for them. Sure, we have a shelter. We have this or that. But you can't just go move in and take over somebody's property. See, that would be the common sense thing to say. No, you, know, you can't do that. Now, for other kind of things that I know some people, they have, uh, they have property that they rent. They're renters. You know, they buy property, fix it up, rent it out. Well, they, almost every single one of them has told me stories that 
Yeah, uh, we interviewed everybody, and they seemed decent enough. We got them in the house, and then you know, three months in, they stopped paying the rent. And you go there and you ask, hey, can you pay the rent, please? Because, you know, I have to pay the mortgage. And like, oh, I'm, I'm a little short, man. I'll get it to you next week. Next week comes. Then they start avoiding you. Now it's four months, five months down the road. They haven't paid rent. Right? There's nothing you can do about it. They get to stay there as long as they want. That is another thing that should be changed. If you are renting a property from someone and you have agreed by contract, you're going to pay $800 a month on the first of the month. And the homeowner decides to let you go until the third of the month. Okay, that's the homeowner's decision. But if you don't pay rent for three months in a row, four months in a row, uh, it's time for you to go. You have to go. And that would be another uh, immediate expulsion. Uh, listen, you didn't pay the rent, whatever you set the, 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 the limit at, uh, you know, four months. If you don't pay the rent for four months, you got to go. And at that point, they're removed physically, physically removed out of the house, right? Yeah, that's, oh, that's really tough, Lieutenant Joe. That's, uh, you know, worrying about the rights of people who actually legitimately own these properties. Who are you? These people need places to live. And yeah, well, what if they showed up, you came home to your house one day and uh, there was people in your basement where you sit in your underwear taking notes about Lieutenant Joe? What if there was a whole family of people living there and they told you, oh, you have to get out. This is our house now. How would you like that? No, you wouldn't like that. None of us would. We don't function on common sense anymore. Um... And I know some people get down on hard times. They absolutely do. Uh, but the reality is, this is a business deal, right? And if you don't have a place to live, if you haven't paid rent in four months, you should have been looking for another place to go for four months and say, listen, I got, I got to go move in with my mom and dad. I got to move in with an uncle. I got to move in with a friend. I got to get my kids out of here because I can't afford to, to, to pay the rent. And the, the, the woman who owns this place, she needs, needs to get her rent money because she has to pay the bill. And that's not right. That's personal responsibility. So I would like to see, uh, I would like to see that happen. A um, couple other things, you know, culturally speaking, going on out there. Um, Bud Light, the beer Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, they have supported a, a transgender woman. Um, I guess she's a social media uh, influencer or whatever. And it has really rubbed some people the wrong way and they don't like it. Well, the, the answer to that is don't buy their product if you don't like what they're doing. Um, you know, but again, you know, they, they supported this uh, person who's a transgender woman and a lot of people didn't like it. And the social component here is that Kid Rock, the rock and roll star, um, he expressed his negativity towards this by uh, putting a couple cases of, of Bud Light up and shooting it up with a... a uh, a weapon that he has, uh, has a right to have. He has, I'm sure it's legal. He lives in Michigan, I think, uh, where they can have weapons like that. And he shoots up the beer. Uh, now, you can agree with him or disagree with him, agree with Bud Light or disagree with Bud Light. The fact is that culturally, it's interesting that that's out there. So you should go look that up on social media, the Kid Rock uh, and the beer and uh, watch him light up this beer. It's kind of crazy. I, and I think one of the last things we're going to be able to get to, because we're quickly running out of time for today's adventure, Chicago, the city of Chicago, uh, one of the highest murder rates in the country, dangerous, dangerous place. I had to go there for business a few years ago, and it was before the pandemic, probably 20, 2018, early 2019, and I, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought Chicago was really nice. The restaurants were cool. The neighborhood bars were really cool. Uh, the place that I was doing the business in was really cool. I thought it was a really a neat city. 
Uh, of course, it has uh, you know, fallen apart for, for years in certain parts of the city, are very, very dangerous for the residents there. A lot of uh, gang warfare and, and people killing each other, but not in the area that I was in. I was in the, you know, the hotel row uh, kind of a thing. Well, Chicago has had this problem. They had these mayors who, again, are, are very progressive, and they got this weird thinking like they do in San Francisco that not enforcing the law is good for everyone. If you leave criminals alone, let them just do their crimes, then, you know, then it's better for everyone. It's not common sense thinking, and what it's leading to is a miserable uh, life for people in Chicago. Well, they got rid of their mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot. She was voted out. And they had a runoff between two other Democrats. So there's no conservative involved here whatsoever. Two Democrats, one who was very liberal and one that they said was more moderate. Well, the people of Chicago had a chance to turn their city around, to change it as best as they could. You know, if you're going to have, if you're going to try and turn something around like that, you need a Rudy Giuliani kind of a person with that kind of thinking and that ability to go in and clean things up and, and really clean up your city so that it's safe for everyone. Every neighborhood, right, should be safe. Well, instead, um, they, they voted in a guy named Brandon Johnson, who apparently is a very liberal guy. And I'm going to say, let's give him a chance. Let's see if Brandon can turn things around and help Chicago to be better, or if he's going to continue down the same uh, horrible path that all of these other cities have decided to take. Let crime go, defund the police, don't prosecute anybody, let people just run wild over the innocent citizens of the city. So I'm going to wish uh, Brandon Johnson a lot of luck. I hope he can clean up Chicago. It's a great American city, and it should come back, just like New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and all these other great cities should be wonderful places for us to visit, uh, go to, and experience. But not right now. It's a little dangerous these days. All right. Well, my friends, we have been all around the horn here uh, talking about some stuff. I still have many more pages of outrages that I'll try and get to very soon. Until then, remember what we always say here. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. I'm Lieutenant Joe saying goodbye for Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network.